0: Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ACOEGT.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram at ACOEGT. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Bless the Lord. It is great to see you today in the house of the Lord. And those of you who have joined us via live stream, welcome. Hey, as you received your sermon notes when you came in, the title today is A New Season. How many are ready for a new season in your life? I believe the Lord has something incredible for you and I in 2022. But you think of the blessings of God, they require acts of obedience and sacrifice on our part. And throughout the Word of God, you see the people of God supernaturally blessed as they trust God and they take steps of sacrifice. We see the impossible become possible. We see the impossible become a reality only as we step into the mysteries of the unknown with God. It is there that we experience the provision of a loving father taking care of his children. Church, I believe that there are miracles still to be lived out. There are miracles to be experienced and God is inviting you and I into his adventurous life of blessing after blessing after blessing. I love John's description in his gospel, chapter 1, where he says, and his fullness, we have all received uh, grace for grace. The message puts it this way. We have all lived, uh, lived off of his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift after gift. How many are thankful for the generosity of the Lord? Paul, writing to the church of Corinth in his second letter, says, God is our sufficiency. The sufficiency is of God. Not in my strength, not in your ability, but your sufficiency is found in God. And I believe that God is going to bring a a new season in your life. For some, marriages will be restored. For others, family relationships are going to be healed. Uh, I believe for, for others still, a shift is coming in your finances. This year, I believe God is going to breathe fire into our bones. God is going to send a fresh wind uh, of his spirit. And I believe God is going to impart new strength and dreams which are dead are going to be awakened in the name of God. I declare over your household, the spirit of despair is leaving. The spirit of defeat is gone. And the spirit of victory and holy contentment will be yours. Do you receive that today? The move of God is going to result in the lost being saved, ruined marriages being restored, families being reconciled, addicts being set free, dreams becoming a reality. You and I drawing closer to God, and you and I having a greater walk in obedience. Turn with me to Luke's gospel chapter 4. I love verse 18 and 19 as Jesus stood up in the synagogue and he read from the book of Isaiah, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. The time of the Lord's favor has come. One translation says to announce this is God's year to act. How many receive that in your life? This is God's year to act. This is the season that God is going to move. This is the season that God's going to do something uh, great. Do you receive that over your life? I declare over you, your house, your career, your family, and our church, that uh, a season of mammoth proportions is about to happen in your life, and this is God's year to act on your behalf. Let's pray. Father, I, I ask that we would receive this word today. I pray that faith would well up within this sanctuary. I pray, God, that people will lay hold to the promise of God. I pray that those who are watching via live stream, God, that faith would be stirred within their spirit. And God, that we would claim your promises, that we'd claim, God, that the time is now. A new season. Is before us. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. And your notes, the first thing we're gonna talk about write this: times and seasons. Times and seasons. If you go to the book of Daniel, chapter two, and it's here in this book of chapter two of Daniel, in verse 20, that Daniel, in the midst of his praise, in the midst of his worship. He gives us a great truth about our God. Daniel answered and said, verse 20, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Now notice verse 21, and he changes the times and the seasons. He changes the times and seasons. Now, that word for times and seasons, I've talked about this before. It is the chronos and the kairos. Keel and DeLitch, the great Old Testament theologians say times or chronos speaks of a general time. And seasons, that Hebrew word kairos, speaks of a specific measured time, a strategic appointed time. So Daniel affirms that these times and these seasons, these general and specific appointed times are under God's control. And when something moves from the chronos to the kairos moment, it is a divine shift. It is a new season And church, I believe that God's about to invade our space. I believe God's about to bring a shift. God's about to bring a a Kairos moment in your life. God has the ability, Daniel says. God has the ability to take this ordinary time and do something specific in it. Now, I don't know about you, but I need that hope today. I need that faith today to say, God, take what I'm walking through, that ordinary life that we're going through, and bring a kairos moment, bring a divine interruption, do something great in my life. Season. I want you to write these three words. A season is a change in direction. It can be a change in place it can be a change of position we're talking about direction a change in direction a change in place a change in position we've been walking through this stuff for over two years now and i believe god's going to bring a kairos moment god's going to take what we've gone through and God's going to turn some things around. See, a shift is when out of nowhere the tide turns. Things happen. The atmosphere changes. That which seems hard then suddenly becomes easy. That which seems far reached then suddenly is at hand because God in his sovereignty causes the wind to blow. He causes a shift to happen. He causes something great to begin to turn for God's kingdom and his glory. The day was March the 7th, 473 BC, when such a shift took place. In the book of Esther, chapter 9, verse 1, the New Living Translation says, On March the 7th, the two decrees of the king were put into effect. On that day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but quite the opposite happened. Notice that quite the opposite happened. It was the Jews who overpowered their enemy. You know the story. You know that Haman tried to destroy and to wipe out the Jewish people. But there was a queen, Esther, who said, I believe God's brought me to the kingdom for such a time as this. Quite the opposite began to happen. And church, there's a lot of naysayers. There's a lot of doom and gloom and despair out there. But I believe quite the opposite can happen because I serve the God who can change the seasons and the times. The Hebrew word here means to change, to turn around. How many believe God's going to turn some things around in your life? brings us to our second point how do you prepare for this new season how do you prepare for this new season i believe one of the things that we have to do is expand our horizons the way we think information's coming in and you've got to believe what faith tells you and not what the data always says. Second Corinthians six, verse 11. But I don't read this out of the paraphrase translation. Dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives are not small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. He says, enter this wide, open, spacious life. Sometimes we get hemmed in by our circumstances. Sometimes we get hemmed in by what's going on. But hear me, there is a freedom that's found in Christ, and we can expand our horizon and say, Lord, what are you going to do in this hour? What are you going to do in this season? Lord, how are you going to turn some things around for us? I want you to see this. You are favored. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are favored. Get that in your spirit. You are favored by God. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. Did you know you are the godly that the psalmist is talking about? You are the godly because you have accepted Christ. He's become your righteousness. His righteousness is now imputed to you. God delights in every detail of your life. I love the story of Zacchaeus in the book of Luke chapter 19. And I don't have time to go into all the story today. But you remember as Jesus was making his way through the streets of Jericho, you have Zacchaeus climbing a tree to get a good look at Jesus. Verse 5 says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. I love this. Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. Have you ever noticed that your enemy knows your name, but he calls you by your sin? Jesus knows everything about you, and he calls you by your name. You ever notice how the enemy always brings up your past, always brings up your failure, always brings up your lack, always brings up your insufficiency? He knows your name, but, but he don't call you by name. He calls you by 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 your past because he's trying to get you to believe that label. Hear me, Jesus knows everything about you and he still calls you by your name. Why? Because you're favored of God. He sees potential in you and I believe a shift is coming. I believe God's going to work and move because we are the favor of God. You're the apple of his eye. And he's inviting you to come. And to follow him into the unknown. But let me tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take faith and obedience. Faith and obedience go together. You can't have faith without obedience. You can say, I believe all day long, but you got to begin to walk it out. You gotta begin to step out. You gotta begin to say, Here I am, God, I'm showing up for duty. (laughs) And when we show up for duty, guess what? God's gonna show out. God's gonna turn some things. God's gonna work on your behalf. So, write this faith leads to obedience. Faith leads to obedience. The great father of faith known as Abraham. The story is found in Genesis chapter 12. And the Lord said to Abraham, verse 1, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Leave what is familiar, what you know, and go into the unknown. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Hear me, we like the blessing. But to receive the blessing, there has to be obedience. There was a choice that Abram had to make. There was a decision that he he had to make. And the decision was this, to leave the familiar, to leave that what's comfortable, and to say, Lord, here I am. He had to show up for duty. And I think one of the tragedies of what we're walking through today is a lot of us have, have forgotten how to show up for duty. If I want to see the blessings of God, then I got to show up every, every day. Abraham was a pursuer of God. First and foremost, he was a pursuer of the presence of God. Can I challenge us? Let you and I be pursuers of the presence of God. Abraham was willing to go further than anyone else. You know the story. His father, Terah, undoubtedly had a call to leave and to go toward the promised land. And I've brought this out before. It says one day, Terah took his son, Abram, his daughter in law, Sarah. And his grandson Lot and moved away from Ur, the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan. But they stopped in Haran and they settled there. And Terah lived for 205 years and he died while still living in Haran. Hear me. I don't want to die living in a place I never was meant to, to settle. Church, I want to I wanna pursue the presence of God so I can receive all that the Father has for me. God's not called you and I to mediocrity. He's not called you and I to lukewarmness, the status quo. God has empowered you and his church to make a difference, to be world changers and to be giant slayers. God has called us to a life of adventure but what we got to do is we got to keep moving. We got to keep marching. We got to keep pursuing the presence of uh, the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen write this under d be willing to do whatever it takes be willing to do whatever it takes i want to take you back to the story of zacchaeus just for a moment there was a lot of excitement around christ crowds were following him his fame was was spreading people heard of the miracles they seen the miracles they heard him teach with such authority and as Jesus is entering Jericho, news had spread that he was here. And Zacchaeus, you know, he had, uh, he had some limitations he could do nothing about. It wasn't his fault. wasn't anything he had done. It was just that he, he could not see, wasn't tall enough. Sorry, brother. Wasn't tall enough to get a glimpse at Jesus. No fault of his own. But he was willing to do what others were not willing to do. There's a lot of things in life we have no control over. A lot of things in life, it's just no fault of our own. We're just walking through it. But are we willing to do what others are not willing to do? Are we willing to tarry? are we willing to pursue are we willing to fast a little longer are we willing to to read and to meditate are we willing to enter into the presence a little longer it says in this in verse 4 he ran ahead climbed a sycamore tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way and when Jesus came by he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name Zacchaeus quickly come down I must be a guest in your home today. I want you to see Zacchaeus' determination. Determination often predicts outcome. Did you hear me? One's determination often predicts the outcome of an event. He ran ahead like a little child running ahead to see, to catch a glimpse. He climbed a tree. Are you willing to become like a little child in your pursuit of God? Jesus said, for such is the kingdom of heaven. You know what is so great about children is they've not yet learned a lot of the adult things of shame and guilt and embarrassment, and what happens is, man, they'll just put all their energy in the thing because they've not yet learned you need to worry about what other people are going to think about you. Was well, Zacchaeus at this moment in time, it was as if he put away all the hindrances, and he said, I don't care what they think. I'm gonna run ahead (laughs) he's got to come this way and there's a tree I want to get up in so I can catch a glimpse of Jesus how far are you willing to go how far are you willing to go to see Jesus your sons and daughters weigh in the balance don't surrender them to the culture Don't surrender them to the world. How far are you willing to go to pray, to intercede for your kids to experience the power of God? How far are you willing? Are you you willing to go farther than your, your comfort? Are you willing to press through the uncomfortability? Are you willing to say, Lord, I don't care how I feel? I don't care what others say. I got to touch you, Jesus. I got to see you today. So, so Lord, I'm going to dance a little bit. I'm going to shout a little bit. I'm going to do what I'm going to stir it up in my heart. If somebody else gets stirred up, that's great. But, Lord, I ain't worried about them because I got to see you for myself. I got to see you for myself. Verse 5, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I must be a guest in your home. I must be. Wow. There's that same Greek phrase that we see in John chapter 4 where Jesus said, I must needs go to and through Samaria. There was an inner drawing. There was an inner conviction. The spirit of God was stirring. See, Zacchaeus was pursuing a glimpse of Jesus. So he thought, but the reality, Jesus was pursuing him, Zacchaeus. It's a great moment when in your pursuit of God that you suddenly realize the Lord lined everything up because he was pursuing you first. (laughs) It's a great moment of realization in your worship, in your praise, when you're pursuing just to get a glimpse of Jesus, only to realize he's been pursuing you the whole time, and he's about to manifest his glory in your life. Church, I'm here to tell you that God is pursuing you. He's pursuing a relationship, and yes, we want to see him, but he's Going to manifest his glory in your life. Can you say amen? Be willing to do whatever it takes. If you hadn't written that down, you got to write it. Be willing to do whatever it takes. Whatever needs to happen, say, Lord, here I am. I must be a guest in your house. Zacchaeus is told to waste no time for today Jesus must stay in your house. See behind Jesus' summon lies a necessity imposed on him by God. And the implication is that a divine plan is being worked out a kairos moment. See there was just an ordinary day until Zacchaeus heard a rumbling, he's coming. No doubt he heard the thunder of the feet of the crowd following Jesus. The God of the heavenlies was preparing for a Kairos moment. It's kind of like the servant coming back to the man of God, Elijah. Elijah has sent him out seven times to look for a cloud, a sign of the rain. For seven times, the servant comes back and says, I don't see anything. Elijah says, go back, look, Elijah's praying. Finally, the servant looks in the far distance and he sees a small cloud, a small cloud about the size of a man's hand. He runs back to the man of God and says, i can see a cloud in the distance and elijah said hurry up Go tell Ahab to prepare himself because the rain is coming. It was a Kairos moment. And church, sometimes you got to keep showing up. You got to keep being faithful. Sometimes you can't see the evidence, but you know a breakthrough is coming. You can't see it. Your eyes are telling you everything's different, but you know in your spirit, God, you promised. God you said that if I seek you, I'll find you. And church, as you keep showing up, and as you keep believing, as you keep marching, God is going to come and bring a breakthrough because the time is now for your family, for your church, for our community. We're going to see the power of God displayed. Zacchaeus, I must come. A Kairos moment is taking place in his life. That Greek word must carries the idea of to be under a a necessity of, it is necessary, it has to happen. And church, I believe that there's a place in our pursuit of God, a place in our pursuit of him where something shifts in the heavenlies and suddenly it becomes a must too. I pray that the cry of glad tidings will be so loud in the heavenlies that the spirit will say, I must. I must show up. I must come and rain down in showers. Church, there's enough in the word of God that tells us We understand the sovereignty of God. We understand that he has a plan, but there's enough in scripture that tells us that our prayers make a difference, that our prayers can move the hand of God. And could it be that he's just waiting on some noise? He's just waiting on a church, an army who will say, God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I wonder, he could just be waiting to to hear the cry of desperation, to hear the cry of hunger. And then in the heavenlies, Jesus will say, I must experience, I must go to glad tidings. I must go to your house today. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? You say, well, pastor, you're just trying to stir us up. you exactly right. Don't be confused. Because I am. Because if I don't stir you up to fight, you'll be defeated. If I don't stir you up to put that armor on, the enemy's going to win. But it just may be if we stir ourselves in the name of the Lord, God's going to work, God's going to move, God's going to show up, and we're going to experience the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So can we stand together? Can we lift our hands toward heaven? And can we say, Lord, I need you May there be a season, a new season. May there be a shift in my life. God, I pray that you would would manifest your glory. I pray that the sound of our hunger will be so great. I pray that the sound of our thirst will be so desperate, God, that the Spirit of the Lord will say, I'm going to stop by Glad Tidings. I'm going to visit this church. I'm going to do something new. I pray today, God, that will be so stirred in our spirit, will be so stirred that we'll say, Lord, I will not be denied. I will not go home the same way I came. I'm going to leave different. I'm going to leave more hungry. I'm going to leave more thirsty. I'm going to leave with a touch. I came to see Jesus, and I'm not going to leave until I experience the power the presence the anointing of of god lord let it be i pray today that your hunger will be like zacchaeus i pray that your theological understanding be like daniel he controls the seasons the times and it just might be (laughs) he'll turn some things around I pray that your faith to be like Esther who will say for such a time as this God if you don't move if you don't move I'm going to show up today because I believe God's going to move God's going to do something if you're hungry today I want you to step out from where you are I want you to begin to pursue the presence of the Lord, the power of God. Come now, come now, come now. Let your movement be a sign of your hunger. Let your praise be a sign of your thirst.